And welcome into episode number 46 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez alongside Russ Cohen. Russ, what's going on? Uh, you know, warmer weather, good hockey, getting close to the Stanley Cup. Had to put my creds in. Oh, did you? You got your, uh, your, your creds in for the final? I do. Where are you going to be? You know, I mostly stay on the East Coast, but if it's in St. Louis and they have the chance to win their first ever cup, I might go to St. Louis. Okay. Would, uh, what are the two cities that you may be volleying between is the question. I, I always go for proximity. Like, Carolina's probably a good choice, and Boston's a good choice. Boston's the easiest one. Okay. Like, that's, that's simple. I've done Boston before. No problem. Carolina's not bad either. Either one of those, I, that's th- those are probably the destination. I'm not counting the Islanders at this point. Okay. All right. So, episode number 46, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Sportsology. Sportsology.com is the website. Follow the podcast, at Stick to Hockey Pod. Follow myself at... Uh, at Jason Mert. Uh, a lot to get into. There's a lot of playoffs going on. Plus, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, I taped a conversation a couple weeks ago with Sean Couturier uh, that I want to air here on this week's podcast as well. Another career year for Couturier. We'll get into him and a bunch of other players. Matter of fact, I saw some advanced analytics on Couturier against some of the other guys, uh, uh, you know, great two-way players right, in the right. league. Did you see these analytics? I did not. Uh, like five-on-five numbers and driving play and all that. And his analytic numbers like blow stone out of the water, blow these guys away that you would think are more higher-end players. Barkov was one of them, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys that a lot of people look at and they go, yeah, he's a really good player, but he's not an elite player. Because you see Barkov, what he can do in a shootout and those kind right. of things. So they think of Barkov as being more elite and play-driving than Couturier. He's flashier. Yeah. But it doesn't, he hasn't had the same kind of success, analytically speaking, as Couturier. Right, it's... I think you do – Couturier is the kind of guy you have to watch all the time. Mm-hmm. And and watching him all the time, I do see and, – and I didn't need to see the analytics, but it does make sense. You see with the added strength the last two years what he can do. You can see how good he is on faceoffs. You can see how effective he is around the net. Like you could look, you could look at where his shots are coming from and how often he's scoring. You could look at shooting percentage. Those things besides the analytics, but the eye test is – he he really I mean there's very few teams that he had trouble with this year. Yeah. And he's and he's a great five on five performer in all situations. Um but let's get into the playoffs because the, the NHL playoffs uh were I guess midway through round number two. Um and when you look at it, the big story, I guess right now the biggest story has gotta be that the fact that the Canes have the Islanders who swept the Penguins out in the first round, now have them on the brink up three games to none. Yeah, it's 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 really and and they're missing people. I mean yeah. they're, they're down men and it's just it's one of these situations where, you know, Barry Trotz can only do so much, right? Yeah. He's a great coach. Nobody will ever say otherwise. But he's short players. He's got the same team he had all year, but the problem with this team is Lou Lamarillo didn't do anything at the deadline to to help it. Now, at the time, he said he didn't want to mess with chemistry. And the New York media let him off the hook because, hey, they had a great record. They're in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. They left it alone. Yep. Now that he's down 0-3... You can't leave it alone. Like, this is something he should have done. He should have addressed at the deadline. He should have gotten another defenseman, should have gotten another forward. They didn't do it. They're $9 million under the cap. Yeah. Like, they're never going to spend to the cap until they get their new arena. They've, the owner has pretty much said that. But what's funny is, just because Lou is there, just because Trotz is there, all sports are weird in the sense that just because you didn't expect to be there this year and you're playing with house money, and you can't say that in New York. You can never say you're playing with house money in New York because New York doesn't want to hear it. But 
this could be their best year, and it could all be downhill after, or it could be like best year, two years, they were okay, then they got another shot, then they take a step back. Like, this league is so weird now. You don't know when it's going to be, and you have to grab on when you can. And they should have because the field is weaker this year than it probably will be in the future. Yeah, there's been a couple of uh, high-pedigree teams that have been taken out, knocked out of the way with Columbus knocking off, obviously, Tampa and all the the division winners knocked out in the first round and all the wild-card teams moving on. It's pretty wild. Um, How much of a factor is it that they're, they're playing in Brooklyn? It's a big factor. I know everybody is writing the opposite. Not everybody. I know some some writers who aren't. But it seems like everybody's defending Brooklyn. Look, the ice hasn't been good. We know that. They yeah. don't have the right piping under the ice. We know all about that. The bounce with Leonard, you want to say that could happen anywhere? Fine. But he was pissed off about it. Yeah. Right? He, he didn't really hold back on that. And, and that was a loss because of that. Now, that could happen anywhere, sure. But the ice hasn't been good there. The, pl- the fans are not over the players like they are in the Coliseum. The setup is different. Yeah. Is it loud? Sure. Are they sold out? No. They could tell us they're sold out. We could see the empty yeah. seats. So I think it, it it doesn't work against them, but it didn't help them like it did in the first round. And they didn't have the same kind of momentum. So going down 0-2, I thought, all right, maybe they're going to play better at home, uh, away rather, in, in Carolina. And, and Carolina really just sees the moment and the Islanders couldn't keep up. One of the mistakes I think Barry Trotz made was Clutterbuck was up in the air, his status, right? Mm-hmm. And they could have played Michael Del Cole, who is a big guy who has good hands around the net. He finally has just enough speed to play in the NHL. It's been a while for him. He could have made his debut in the, in the playoffs. They didn't do it. I looked late in that game. Clutterbuck had 11 minutes in, no shots, and one minute of, of penalty kill time. And again... But if you ask Trotz post game and you say, "Well, why'd you play Clutterbuck?" He'd probably say because of the penalty kill. But he had one minute. Yeah, in. like it's just they need points and fresh legs. Yeah, and now they're down 0-3, and I don't care. I mean, yes, did I cover the Flyers when they came back from 0-3? Sure. Yeah, this is but, different. But this is different. Yeah, this does not have a feel like there's even a chance for the Islanders to come back. They might win the next game. Might. But they're not winning this series. No, they're not coming back. And maybe it's more of an indictment on the Penguins, which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah. Two things. Let me throw this theory at you. Okay. The Canes, they look like the team of destiny now. And the building down there and what was a sleepy hockey market when they weren't performing has now been awoken. And they've awoken to beast. Right. And Rod Brindamore is the coach. What do right. we know about Rod Brindamore? That when he played, there was nobody in better physical condition than him. Rod the bod. Rod the bod. And he looks like he could still play today. Yeah. And so he's a firm believer in that aspect. of They just look like they're in better shape than everybody else right now physically. They are. He's he's made them believers. A lot of the players play like look at him. Jordan Stahl. You know, Greg McKegg, uh, yeah. he's a great kid. I, I, was, I do this thing every year, the rookie photo shoot, and I took a picture of him four or five years ago, and he was with the Leafs. Yeah. And he's kicked around. He's in the NHL. He's been in the playoffs. Yeah. He's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's starting. So it is a, it is a great testament. I also did cover – their first championship and their only championship as the Carolina Hurricanes. And so I was there in front of Brindamore for all those games. And he is a, an intense leader in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Like he was still really good on the ice, but he was starting to trend down a little sure. bit. Yeah. But there were a lot of other factors that he brought. And I just remembered after they clinched, it was a weird situation because now it, you go into the locker room, you have to wait, right? You, you wait for a yeah. long time and the place is jammed. Somehow me and this other guy – 
were the first two people in the locker room. We were in there with CBC, and they were just setting up. Yeah. We have no idea how we got in there so early. We just stayed, right, because we figured if we leave, we'll never get back in. And a couple of guys came off the ice, and they looked at us like, where's everybody else? Yeah. And it was like – and I even said to one of the guys, I'm like, hey, go get your beer if you want. If you want to talk to us, great. If you don't, it's okay. And they did. And But it was just – I got a real good feel for that team, Cam Ward, and with Brenda Moore there. And, and Brenda Moore was – one of the big leaders, and he motivates, and he's still motivating. And that's really – look, Sebastian Ajo getting off the schneid helped a lot because yep. they needed him to uh, to contribute. But, you know, Warren Fogle, everybody at the beginning of the season was excited because he put a lot of points in. Mm-hmm. Then he sort of went through the ruts of the season. Then he got hot again in the playoffs. Like, it's just they're having good fortune. They have good defense. The goaltending is not fantastic, but they're it's lucky. timely. <laughs> they're lucky they got McElhaney oh, because, yeah. again – he shouldn't have been available, but again, the Leafs wanted Garrett Sparks. They extended Garrett Sparks. They put McElhaney out there on waivers. Carolina gets him. <laughs> now he's their guy because Morazic's hurt. Yeah. Like, it's crazy what's happening with this team. Yeah. I don't know if I can call him a team of destiny yet, but the fact that they're doing this is impressive. Yeah, and I, I heard Elliot Freeman refer to the fact that he thought that Laner looked tired in that Game 3 loss, and I totally agree. He didn't look like he had his same energy at all. He's playing a lot more than he played straight games than he did all season sure. long. So maybe they go to Grice in Game Four to try. Okay, and so let's say they go to Grice. Yeah, is that going to put enough of a charge in the team to get them to start scoring no. goals? No, like you said, they might win Game Four, but they're right. not, it's not going to be enough to win that series. Yeah. There's just no way. You just don't see it in any way, shape, or form. And, and Leonard's going to get paid this offseason. Yeah, um, and we'll get back to the effect that you know the Islanders sweep out the Penguins. So we're going to talk yeah. about that coming up in a little bit. But let's talk about the, the Boston series with Columbus. And this is an interesting one. Um, Nationwide hosts their first round two playoff game the other night, and it was insane. That's another yeah. rocking building. Oh, yeah, I've been in there. It's great. Um, but uh, the story to come out of that game is the Brad Marchand hit, uh, the cheap shot, player on his knees, and he gives him the jab in the back of the helmet. Now, it's not just – like a little tap. That was a good jab. What were your thoughts on that? It was a jab, although I saw TMZ found Wayne Gretzky in front of somewhere. And God bless Wayne Gretzky because he always stops for an interview and he always stops Mm -hmm. for an autograph. He never turns anybody down. So even TMZ, who was after a while being a little annoying, he rolled with it. Yeah, he'll keep going. And and he did actually say one interesting thing, and he said, we've all been punched like that as players, which is true, but his was a different era. What I really thought was... I didn't think it was suspendable, but I thought it was finable. And I thought the league should have made a big deal, should have maybe even tweeted about it, that, hey, we're going to do something about this. Because what happened was when nothing happened, when there was no penalty, when nothing happened, it blew up on Twitter. Rightly so. Because, again, yeah. if you're a league that's worrying about headshots, you did have him punch a guy in the head. Yeah. Now, did he punch him full force? No. No. Did he punch him when he was unsuspecting? Yes. Has he done this before? Yes. It doesn't make yeah, it he right. He Placanics. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't make it right. And Placanic tweeted about it. And it was funny. But this, these are things that Marshawn has been getting away with, and he shouldn't get away with it. And they should have really at least fined him and embarrassed him. Because even his own coach said, you know, I, you could tell him to knock it off, and I'm not sure it's going to work. Yeah, he's, he's a knucklehead. <laughs> He's a rat. That's what he is. Yeah, but he's a rat that scored 100 points this year, and, he was, yep. and I put him third in my heart voting because yeah. he deserved it. Well, here's the deal. Like, I, I agree. It is not a suspendable play based on if you just look at it. Yeah. And is it a dirty play? Yeah. The biggest problem I have with it is the fact that he's such a P and he skates away. Right. Like, it's like, dude, if you're going to do that, okay, then stand in. 
But he's such a – we don't curse on this podcast, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this. There's a regular season punch and a playoff punch mm-hmm. apparently. And so that's a playoff punch and that's allowed. That's yep. what the league has taught me. Yep. I even said – I did another show and you're a parent, so I'll ask you with your son who plays hockey. Let's say he watched a game – with his friends and came back and did that in one of his games. Well, it'd be a major problem. And he went up to you and said, and you said, well, where'd you what learn you that from? Right. And he'd be like, well, I saw it on TV and it was fine. Yeah. What would you say to him? Yeah. See, I'm going, yeah, just because you saw that on TV doesn't mean you should do it. It's, right. It's a total, it's a dick move. All yeah, right? it is. I mean, it's just it what is it is. It's a dick move. Yeah. And, and that's what he does. And he gets under people's skin. And, yep. and I imagine tonight he's going to get at least three minor penalties in the game for breathing on somebody. I don't know. I don't know if he will. And this might go into next year. For Harrington to sort of get his mm-hmm. revenge, but he will. Yep, it will happen eventually. Um, real quick, so let's uh, let's go over to the Western Conference. Okay. Well, these are interesting playoffs over there. Uh, I can't get a handle on San Jose. I can't get a handle on that series. What, how do you think this one plays out? I mean, to me, they're the most talented team left in the playoffs. I don't know if they're the top most— Top to bottom. All right, because you added top to bottom, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colorado's really talented. Yeah. I mean— Nathan McKinnon, someone tweeted me the other day and said, how does San Jose stop Nathan McKinnon? And I'm like, you can't. Yeah, he's the best player left in the he playoffs. He's the best player left in the playoffs. Like, if he wants to do something, he could do it. Mm-hmm. You're really at his mercy. But, you know, luckily they do have good defense on San Jose. San Jose has veterans that have been through this. Yeah. They do have really good defense. Eric Carlson's still playing really good, even if he's at 70%. He's still playing pretty good hockey. Brent Burns is mostly playing good, although the turnovers have— have cost him lately. Few pronounced ones, uh, yeah. Logan Couture, if people forgot cool. about him, I don't know why or how you could forget about him. And to be honest, Timo Meyer had a great year. I've talked about Timo Meyer before. People forgot about him too, but Timo Meyer had a really nice assist on that Couture goal. Like Timo Meyer at times probably got Couture back to being the player he is yeah. now because it sort of fired him up. So they have something good going there. I mean, Martin Jones, I thought it was over. You were even worried about Martin Jones. Oh, yes. He was just his position. He angled on shots. But, you know, it it was interesting because DeBoer had said something before the playoffs, and I bought it. And he was like, look, he isn't as bad as he looks sometimes. And I guess basically that is what he's trying to say is sometimes our defense gives up these glorious chances and Martin Mm -hmm. Jones can't stop them. And I think they've, you know, clamped down on that a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think... The problem for the Avalanche is they they need to get more scoring from other places. I mean, McCarr has added a, a jolt to their wow. lineup, which is great. But they still, some of their other forwards who were scoring before need to start scoring. Even Rantanen probably still needs to be more of a force than he mm-hmm. is. It's a tall order, though, because San Jose could feel it. Like, they all know it's Joe Thornton's last season. Yeah. He's putting it all out there. It's going to be hard to beat San Jose. Yeah, I heard somebody uh, say on NHL Network, it would be the Boston Teal Party. Sharks, Bruins in the final. I think Thornton's Joe, revenge. I think Joe gets booed, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so that's that series. Now let's look at the other series in the Western Conference. How do you see that playing out? Well, it's interesting because everybody was sort of waiting to see if, quote-unquote, Jordan Bennington would crash land to earth. Now, I don't think he crash landed to earth. He'd become human, though. But, yeah, I think, you know, when you lose your cool a little bit and you slash, and you slash yep. the opposing goalie— you know, I look, I fear for people at this radio station because you're a former goalie. You never know when a goalie's going to lose it. Yep. And he did. He lost it. Yep. You'll probably have Sometimes your... it's, good, in my feeling, it's good to do that. It is. Yeah. It is. And you I, and let, I know, don't think it's going to kill him. the pressure off. Yes. And I don't think it's going to ki- kill him for the series. I mm-hmm. don't. I think he'll bounce back. But again, this was a game where 
Dallas wasn't going to be denied. I've always liked Jason Dickinson. I've talked about him a lot. He, you know, his goal meant a lot. Uh, Sagan's been great. Haskinen's been fantastic. Oh my god! If you told anybody that Haskinen is what twenty, you would say there's no is way. Is he even twenty? Is he still nineteen or is he uh, twenty now? Nineteen or twenty? Yeah, but it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous how, how over twenty minutes he is a game. And, and everything else. Yeah, so, toughest matchups. Yeah. So and again, we have to give Jim Montgomery credit. Yep. Because Jim Montgomery is proving that Ken Hitchcock is over the hill. If you didn't think Ken Hitchcock was over the hill watching him yeah. in Edmonton, because really the players have not really changed mm-hmm. in in Dallas. The coach changed and yep. the. the System, system changed and even Jason Spezza is starting to wake up a little bit which yep. is scary so this series will go down to the end but I still think I think St. Louis is going to win because of guys like Tarasenko because of guys Ryan like O'Reilly. Schwartz O'Reilly Fabry I think there's just too many yeah, players Pareko the way he's playing yeah Pareko yeah. everybody was like ripped like when are they going to trade Pareko when are they going to trade yeah. Peter Angelo when things were going bad yeah but all of a sudden when they became a winning team again Pareko's hard to play against. Mm-hmm. You don't Especially wanna... playoff performers. Yeah. Big, heavy guys. You don't want to play against Peter Angelo. Bo mm-hmm. Meester's got his game back. Like yep. So their defense is still really good. As long as Bennington plays mostly the way he played before, I still think they win the series. Yep. But it's going to go long. It is. Yeah, it, it's it's a tremendously intriguing series. And it is. You talk about if you wonder if Hitch was over the, over the hill. Here's the deal. Every team Hitch has gone to, their goals against average has improved. Right. That wasn't the case with Dallas. No. And now Bishop is a Vesna finalist this year under Montgomery. And he's done a tremendous job with the destructure in that, with that yes. team. And that, you're right. That's a team that like – And Bishop being healthy helps. Look. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. he's he's a, not always healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and look, and if there's any team that's built to handle other than maybe the Canes, uh, their backup coming in, it's Dallas. Yeah. I mean, the way that Hudobin's played all year. So yeah. you look at that situation. People forget in his draft he was the highest ranked European goalie. Mm-hmm. But people forget because he really was a highly regarded prospect, and then just something happened along the way for a while, and you know how it gets mm-hmm. that way. Hard to get goalie jobs, but he's been really good for a lot of years now. All right, before we get to the uh, interview with Sean Couturier, i got to ask you about the U18s. I yeah. watched them last weekend, the semifinals. and What a tournament. Wow. It, yeah. Tremendous stuff. And, I mean, that game against Russia where they go to the shootout. I uh, hate Team USA. Hate, I hate it, too. Hate Keep the playing. shootout determining tournament play. Best on best. I wish they wouldn't yeah. do that. It's awful. It's just awful. All right, let's talk about a couple of players from Team USA because yeah. they shined and they shone very well. Let's start with Jack Hughes. He's, he had what, what an unbelievable tournament from start to finish. To finish with 18 points and, what well, he just— he solidified his position at the top of the draft. Yeah, I mean, if people were going to have this, like, fake narrative that he might not be the top guy, he beat Alex Ovechkin's record, okay? Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't care. Ovechkin came in as a legend, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And I don't care that he's 5'7". Yeah. I don't care. People shouldn't care. The I don't care that he's 155, 160 game, pounds. You can, do, you can be that size. It's, I still think he's a generational player. I've had people question me on that. Why do you think he's a generational player? Well, because of when you see him going up against the best at his age group, yeah. he's better than that. He's a great skater. It's hard to contain him. He, he floats, man. Yeah, he does. He the edge work on him. We always talk about Mitch Marner with the edge work. His edge work's better. Yeah. He, I mean, the whole offense of the team runs through him when he's out on the ice. So even when he's not scoring, even when his line's not scoring. They're generating chances. They're getting zone play. They're getting all of it. He's a great player, man. So he's going to be a New Jersey Devil is what you're telling he, me. Yeah, there's no way. The only, the real reason that I believe Nico Heischer was a New Jersey Devil, and there was a question the last time, because I still think Patrick's the better player. I, I will go down with that. 
was they wanted someone in the market. And we know that Nolan Patrick is a horrible interview, and he's still a horrible interview. Yep. Where Nico Heeshear is a good-looking kid, and he is marketable. We're entering the digital age, and the devils yep. like that. And they needed and that. Look, he's a really good player. Don't get me yep. wrong. He, he's a 50-something point player. But the idea is, I believe that's the reason they made that choice and mm. flipped it. There is no reason to flip Kako and Hughes. Kako's a really good player, but there's no reason you would pass on Jack Hughes. I don't even care if you think Jack Hughes will miss seven, eight games a year because of injuries or knickknacks. Mm-hmm. Who cares? He's still going to be great. And you know what? And he may take a year or two to be great, too. We don't know. Yeah. It all depends. Like, if they put him with Taylor Hall right away, I think he'll be great uh, right away. Because well, they already he probably together. will. Yeah. And you want to do that because you want to keep Taylor Hall, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make yeah. Get him sign, sign on a dotted line. The, the other part of that equation is the fact that whoever, if you pass up Hughes and you take Kako, he's right up the street. Yeah. So if the number two pick was held by Vancouver... It would be different, right? But it's not. It's not. So it's right in your face. You don't yeah. want to make that mistake. No. Um, Cole Caulfield. What a tournament for him as well at the U18s. Um, how much did he help his draft stock? I think he helped it a lot because I, I wrote top an article. Five? Uh, I think top eight, seven, yeah, eight. seven, eight. Okay. I, I wrote an article in February. Could he be a top ten guy? And you know, I sort of said I think he can be, but at the time. I don't believe people thought he was. They mm-hmm. should have thought that, but they didn't because, again, he's a smaller guy. You can go with all the stuff. Maybe he's getting stuff from Jack Hughes. But, you know, Jack Hughes has missed games, and he's done well without yeah. Jack Hughes. But also go look at Cole Caulfield's record when he wasn't in the NTDP, and he was scoring tons of goals in he's high school. He's just a scorer. He is. <laughs> yeah. And Dabrinkit was the same thing. I kept trying to tell people. Yeah. Taking him away from McDavid, you could go back to high school. You can go back through his record. He was always getting goals. Yeah. Same thing with Caulfield. And I think Caulfield will get points, too, because he is a really good passer. And look at the brink. He scores over 40 this year. Yeah. You know? But you can't teach the release that Caulfield has on his shot. You can't teach that. And it's lightning fast. And even if he were just only scoring on the power play at the beginning of his career, it would still be a mm-hmm. lot of points. So the same as Elias Pettersson, where, yes, he's an undersized guy, even though he's tall. Pedersen's got that hammer on the power play. Yep. Caulfield will have the same thing. So I don't think he gets past eight. He could go higher. There's no question. I, but I think I think anywhere between five and eight is where he's going to go. And again, I tell Flyers fans and these bloggers and everything else, he scored 72 goals this year. Don't bring up Dabrinkit because that was a while ago and teams think differently now. He's not getting to 11. It would take a miracle for him to get to 11. Yeah. They would have to trade up to get him. And to get him, you know that the team... Whatever, when it, let's say he's on the board, at, and I think I want to say Detroit is six, seven. I know Edmonton's eight. Let's say, yep. let's say it's on the board, and Edmonton has a chance to get him at eight. It doesn't matter that Edmonton needs defensemen; they're gonna take Cole Caulfield. Yeah, they want the goals. Now, if you're the Flyers and you're gonna ring them up, they're gonna say. Yeah, we might swap spots for you. Are you going to give us uh, Gostaspear? Are you going to give mm-hmm. us? You know, they're going to want a defenseman just to swap spots and a little bit more, and yeah. you know, and to, like third and round to swap pick picks or... and, and something else. So that's what's going to cost the Flyers if they want to do that kind of business. They'll probably make that call. I think that could happen. Yep. But again, that's the only way you're getting them. I don't think yeah. he's falling in your lap. I think it's more likely they trade out of the 11th pick. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to trade up. You think they move up? I do think they move up. Um, All right, let's get to Sean Couturier right now. Another uh, great season for Sean Couturier. Career highs and goals. And once again, a tremendous two-way, 200-foot game from Sean Couturier. And he joins us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast. What's going on, Sean? Doing all right. Well, I'm hanging in, man. And I know that uh, you guys aren't playing hockey right now. And I know that's uh, what you would love to be doing, playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You've been there a few times. 
you've had a few days to kind of decompress from the season. And uh, when you look back on this season, uh, how do you kind of assess the situation? You had some personal highs in your career and goals with 33, but ultimately not the team success that you all hoped for. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, the end result is, is not what we wanted. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think overall we, we need to be uh, more consistent uh, in, in during the season. Uh, we can't have, you know, some seven, eight game losing streak and then go on to win eight. And, you know, um, we got to be, I think, a little more consistent. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's too bad we... Uh, we couldn't pull it off, you know. There's a lot of a lot of changes this year, a lot of uh, uncertainty around the team at one point. Uh, but I thought, you know, I thought we we battled hard to get back into uh, a playoff race. Uh, you know, we were close, but uh, it's too bad we couldn't pull it off. Uh, when you look back, and you just alluded to it, there was a lot of change. Obviously, uh, the dismissal of Ron Hextall early in the season, and then eventually the dismissal of Dave Hextall. As players, you know that's those are tough things to deal with all while trying to prepare for games, uh, pretty much every other night. How much of a distraction was it to deal with those things and kind of st- try and keep your head in hockey? Uh, yeah, I mean, not gonna lie, it was it was it was weird at, at one point. I've never really dealt with that, and I don't think you, I've, I've I don't think I've ever seen that. You know, usually the GM or the coach gets fired before whatsoever, so it's kind of kind of a weird situation uh everyone did seem to know what was going on but at the same time you know it's it's our job to be ready um every night to, to win some hockey games uh you know we we didn't do that um you know and uh you know it cost us probably you know a playoff spot but you know uh think overall as, as a team you know players we we need to be better um uh, you know it's uh a lot of the blame is is on us you know we we didn't perform uh you know when we needed to and you know some some, some changes happened because of that. You, you're a guy, you're on the record. I know on your uh, exit day, you said that it took you about 15 games or so really to find your game. You came into camp dealing with that injury that you suffered just uh, maybe a week or so prior uh, to the start to training camp. Um, but you guys as a team collectively also started off slow. Uh, what could be done kind of to avoid that as you think about heading into next year and at some point here and probably in the pretty near future, you're beginning your preparations for another season. Well, I think for me, anyways, just you know, I think uh, you know, be be healthy at camp, get a good camp, um, and you know, just you know, once we get to camp, probably um, you know, work on details, work on you know, timing, you know, getting uh, getting back to game shape. I think, I think nowadays, you know, everyone kind of is in is in good shape, and that's the way I felt earlier uh, in the year. You know, even if I didn't have a, a, a you know a training camp, much of a training camp. I felt pretty good, but it's just more my game, my game shape, the timing. Uh, you know, you want to be at the right, the right place at the right time, and uh, sometimes you're either a step ahead of the player, or a step behind, and it's that that little half fraction of a second uh, can be uh, can be huge. So uh, I think we just you know need to show up to camp in good shape, and you know go from there and work on uh, on some team team things, uh, team uh, systems, and you know be ready from uh, for for, day, for game one. When you look at it, you, you've not been in this league a while. Uh, you're still a young man, though, uh, in, a, in a game with a in a young man's game. Um, just, just because you've been in the league so many years, how has your you know off season preparation changed over that time? Every year, you probably learn a little something different as your body ages as well, and 
you know, you get your man strength and all of those things. Has your has your preparation and the way you prepare for a season physically and mentally changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's changed over the you know over the years. Um, obviously, when I first came in, you know, everyone kind of says you got to get bigger, stronger. Um, you know, it's kind of the the approach I had a little earlier in my career. You know, kind of heavy lifting and you know try to big get bulky and, and stronger and um but you know i think uh i think that the league changed quick you know is uh it's a lot faster a lot more speed in the game uh i don't think you need to be as as big as you you want needed to uh so obviously you know the off season training uh changed a little bit adapted and you know we we try to work more on uh explosion speed uh you know just uh just you know keep up with the game you know it's a, it's a fast league now and you know everyone has to skate so um that's probably the maybe the biggest uh, adjustments i've made over the years is is uh you know tend to work more on uh, on explosion and and speed yeah you know that's funny cuz it's one of the things i wrote down i wanted to ask you about when did it change is is it's like 2 3 years ago now where the game has really turned into a speed and skill game more than it's ever been in the in the in the history of the nhl uh well it, i think it's over you know over the years, every year there's there's little changes, uh, but for me personally, it was probably I think three four years ago where we made that switch to uh, work more on uh, you know some some explosion off ice. Uh, you know, cardio is you know it's I, I play a lot of minutes, uh, but usually you know um, you you want to have that balance where you you uh, you know you you keep working on the speed and and not you know you don't want to you know it's it's all right to play. 20, 25 minutes a night, but you, you got to have some speed in there. Um, so it's, it's really, I say, you know, three or four years ago where I kind of switched to my mentality and, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty well. Um, you went into an off season after the 2016, 17 season, and you wanted more offensive contribution opportunities for your team. You were known as a, a great 200 foot player that was very defensively responsible, but you went to your, uh, your your coaches and your staff and managers and said, I want to be put in that position. They did. You responded with a 31-goal campaign and 76 points, and you followed it up this year in two less games with the same amount of points but 33 goals. Uh, when, when you look at how you're contributing to this team offensively, uh, that, that's got to feel pretty good for you, especially considering that you almost had this kind of uh, uh, reputation as being a guy that maybe couldn't score at that level, but you proved that you can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought myself as, you know, the, the kind of player I've, I've been in the past two years, you know, you know, can put up some numbers. Um, but you know, you want to, you want to stay responsible defensively, be a solid 200 foot guy. Um, I don't think I've, I've, I've changed that. My mentality really hasn't, hasn't changed. It's just about, you know, uh, going into games, you know, you know, when, you know, you're playing with Giroux or, or Jake, you know, you're. There's there's probably some some good chances you get a few chances a night so it's uh, it's mentally a little easier I'd say and uh, you know so far it's you know the, the last two three years have been has been good I've I've capitalized on a lot of opportunities and uh, you know just got to keep keep working and keep improving I think uh, you know I think as a, as a player and as a team we can we can be better. And no question on and to follow up that that the bust out offensive season with another one. Uh, makes that and people go wow that's what he is now that's not just the flash in the plan uh, flash in the pan kind of situation uh, Coots, when you look at your situation and you mentioned the 200 foot player and you got to deal with the toughest matchups pretty much every night and every team's got a guy 
Uh, whether it's against the Penguins, you got to deal with Crosby or Malkin, or whether that's you know the Capitals, and you got to deal with a guy like guys like Backstrom and Ovechkin, whoever that is. Who's the guy that you find to be your toughest matchup? That's really one that that you get up for, and you really enjoy that challenge. Uh, I don't know. I mean, every 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 night is is, is tough. You know, it's a tough league. Um, you know, a lot of good teams. The, the league's really tight. Um, uh, I don't know. It depends on. On some nights, you know, you the the mentality. I I can't really point out anyone in particular, but you know, every night's tough, and uh, you know, you think by realizing over the years, you know, now that you know I'm putting more with uh, you know some some really good players uh, playing with me, uh, mentality is more of you know try to try to outscore them, you know, finish uh, finish plus one, and you know, be uh, be on the positive sides of of, of the stat sheet and. Um, I like our chances of winning if if that goes that way. So, uh, whereas before is more of you know try to you know try to contain them. Uh, you know if, if we're even, that means I think I, I did a good job. So, uh, whereas now it's more of you know try to outscore the you know top lines and opponents. Well, when you're dealing with uh, top lines, one of the top lines in the league is uh, the line of the Boston Bruins with Patrice Bergeron, uh, Marshan, and David Pasternak. Uh, you're mentioned now in that uh, same conversation with players like Patrice Bergeron. They may rename the Selkie Award after him. He's won it four times, uh, the most of any other player. Only one other player has won it four times, Bob Gainey. When you're considered in that company, um, that, that, that's got to really be something that uh, makes you feel confident uh, that in this league you're amongst the elite that can do it all. Yeah, it feels feels great to just to be mentioned with those guys. You know, it's 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 a it's a nice uh, honor, and you know, like uh, those those you know those type of guys are probably the toughest matchups. You know, the Bergeron, Tays, uh, Kopitar. Um, you know, those guys they 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 play a solid 200 foot game. There's not really any mistakes in their game, so it's tough to. To, to get an advantage on them. So, uh, you know, those, those type of the players, uh, you know, you respect the most and uh, are the toughest to play against. Um, speaking of advantages, you guys uh, in 32 games this year found yourself down two to nothing. Now, you ended up going 500 in those games, which is incredible for to do that in 30 in 32 games this year. What is it uh, that that why did that occur so much that you guys didn't get out of the gate in games particularly well this past season? Uh, I don't know if I can really pinpoint uh, an excuse or whatsoever, but um, you know it's definitely not a good stat to have. You, you can't, you know, in this league, you can't be down that many times in a year and expect to make the playoffs. It's it's just a lot of catch up hockey, uh, a lot of grind, and uh, you know even if uh, you know we, uh, we we you know we've came back and win some some of those games, but you know it's it's just too much uh, demanding in, in the long run and. Uh, we definitely need to to be ready from the more ready from the start and get some better results. Um, playing under Scott Gordon, the change happened, uh, I believe, in uh, late December. Uh, to Scott Gordon being named the interim coach, and on exit day, uh, a lot of players spoke very glowingly about Scott Gordon. And the one thing that was consistent, pretty much, with every player, and I can attest to this as well, dealing with him as a member of the media in our meetings with him, he's a great communicator. The, the messages that he delivered to you guys. What was the experience like playing under Scott Gordon? Yeah, I, I thought he did a good job. I uh, didn't really know much of him. Uh, you know, just just heard from them from from our minor league uh, team. You know, he. He's had some success there, and uh, he stepped in and and you know changed changed some things. Uh, had a little different uh, approach 
and uh, you know he I thought he did uh, did a really nice job and you know we we won a lot of games under him um, you know obviously at the end we we had a letdown and uh, you know we, we we lost a few to, to finish the year but uh, no I, I I really liked his approach the way he thinks the game and um, you know it's uh, it was uh, it was it was nice playing for him. A lot of players mentioned that you know his use of video. And the way he would kind of, you know, kind of point things out was very effective. Did, was that the case with you, or is that was that just some other players? Is that something that, that really kind of benefited you as well? Yeah, well, I think the the way he sees the game, he, uh, you know, he he knows he knows the game, he understands it really well, and uh, you know, he 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 sees it, you know, right away. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to bring uh, to to bring some adjustments uh, within the game, uh, within games, and um, yeah, he. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a hard worker. He uh, you know he he spends a lot of time doing video and you know trying to make sure we uh, we 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 do the little things right and um, yeah he's uh, you know he's he's I thought he's he's done a good job for us and he may end up being your your bench boss going forward. Uh, Chuck Fletcher uh, will go on that search for a head coach. It's not something you guys can control or worry about at this point. You'll deal with it when you have to. In um, uh, talking with Chuck Fletcher the other day. Um, I asked him about you in particular, and, and here's what he said. And he, he said that Sean Couturier is the most low-maintenance player that I've ever had. He said, you do all the right things on the ice, but you're also a team guy. You were asked to go to power play number two, and you said, hey, man, if that's going to help the team, that's what I'm going to do. Um, you're, you're, you're the son of a former player. Is that where that comes from, that selfless mindset? Uh, yeah, well, it, yeah, I think so. Uh, I've been around the game since I'm, I'm little, got the chance to, to be around my dad when he played pro hockey. So, uh, you know, I think you, you kind of, kind of gain a little advantage, uh, at a young age and, and mature more as, as a, as a hockey player, uh, you know, growing up, I think it helped me a lot just always being around, uh, you know, older guys and around teams. Um, you, you know, you, you just want to be a good teammate, good team player, and uh, you know I'm all about uh, about team success, and uh, you know whether it's you know sacrificing points, ice time, whatever. Uh, you know as long as we win, that's what you want, and um, you know that that definitely won't change for me. Coach, what's it like to playing in Philadelphia? You you played eight seasons in the NHL. Now this, you know what this city's like from a sports standpoint. They're crazy here. They they love their sports. They're passionate. Um, you, you know, you were here when the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl. You know the the party that ensued. What's it like being a pro athlete playing here? Yeah, it's nice. It's I think it's like you said. It's a very passionate uh, sports city. Uh, they love their team. Um, you know, they like to to voice their opinions, and uh, you know, it's uh, that's what you you kind of want to be part of. Uh, you know, whether it's it's good or bad. You know, you want to be part of. Uh, of a, of a city or, or fan base that's really, uh, you know, uh, passionate about their teams and, and loves their sports. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's an honor to play here, and, you know, hopefully they can play here for a long time. Um, real quick, too, a couple of quick hitters for you. Carter Hart comes in, young player, 20. You joined this league really young, too, in your draft year. Carter Hart comes in at 20 years old, mature beyond his years like you are. Um, talk about the effect that Carter Hart had on your hockey club. And also, uh, how impressed you are with him off the ice as well? Yeah, he's uh, you know he's he's been he's been great for us ever since he he got the call up. Uh, you know, he's like you said, he's he's a really mature kid. He knows what he wants and what he needs to work on and what to do to to be successful. And uh, you know, he's 
he's won a lot of games for us. He's had a really positive impact uh, for us, and you just hope that it keeps going and he keeps improving. And you know, he's uh, you know he's got a really bright future in this league, and you just you want to hope that you know it uh, keeps rolling. Yeah, no question about it. It's uh, it's the white whale in Philadelphia, the goaltending position, and you know the importance of it. I say it's the most important position in sports. I got a lot of crap for that, but it's the case because the goalie never leaves the ice. A quarterback does, last I checked. Uh, what, what's the plans for the summer? What do you got going on? Uh, when do you get back to training? Uh, well, you know, take uh, have a few weeks here uh, off or, you know, start training soon, but uh, I'll be I'll be participating in the World Championship uh, next month, so um, you know, probably take a week off here and then, you know, stay in shape, try to get ready for that. Um, Playing uh, for Team know. Canada? Yeah, yeah. It's, you uh, got it's dual citizenship. You could play Team USA, couldn't you? Uh, I don't know if I could. I, I do have dual citizenship, but now that I've been part of Team Canada, I don't know if you can start switching and stuff, but uh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to recruit yeah. you, man, to USA Hockey and <laughs> flop you over. We could use a good pivot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I'll be, uh, you know, trying to get ready for that, play some uh some competitive hockey and you know uh, after that you know uh, get ready for the upcoming season that's it's going to be a big uh, big summer of training and um you know just try to get ready for next year well it's working for you man and uh you know another great season for you individually i know the uh, team result wasn't what you're looking for but uh, i know you guys there's going to be some change that's going to come you know that that's part of it that's part of the deal but uh you're a big part of this thing going forward we really appreciate the time here in the off season hey best of luck at the worlds man and uh the season will be here before we know we can't wait Thank you. All right, there he is, Flyers Center, Sean Couturier, joining us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. It sounds different without all that beard. Yeah, yeah. Well, he cleans up. He's playing in the World Championship. Yeah, yeah. In Slovakia for his new head coach, by the way, Elaine Vigno. And also his old head coach, and Dave Hextall, and his old GM, and Ron Hextall. But they're not going to talk about Flyers players. No. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. We're not going to sit down and have a beer and have that conversation. No, that won't happen. Okay, so real quick, we got a couple of uh, Twitter questions. Okay, that got we got a couple live ones. And, and Eric Bowman says, how strange it must be for the head coach, Elaine Vigneault, to be with Hextall and Hextall in the Worlds tournament. Who feels more awkward, him or the players? <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, I, don't I, I know on do. the surface it's easy to say that, but guys get fired all the time guys coach with other guys all the time guys are in team canada like you know you look at torts torts has you know been a part of team usa so he's you know these guys branch out and 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 see a lot more people than just who their former yeah. teams were you know so yeah. i don't think it's that weird to it's, be a, honest. it's a hockey community yes. that you see the same people all the time uh bruce schwab tweets in and he says earlier this year it's probably the Kraft Hockeyville thing. Yeah. Um, JR, Jeremy Roenick, interviewed the head of USA Hockey, and he said he feels the country, the U.S., will be the dominant force in a decade. It's been 39 years since Lake Placid, and Canada's population is 37 million. The U.S. population is 327 million. Can the U.S. be the dominant force in hockey in a decade's time? I think it'll take less than a decade. I think it could be the next Olympics. You're seeing kids come out of Arizona. Yeah. And Florida and all these non-traditional hockey markets. Yeah, now. and look, I mean, and I get that some of them come from Canadian parents, but they settled here mm-hmm. and became American citizens, so tough. Yeah. And but but we also have seen like with the Canadian program, how many great Canadian goalies are there now? Yeah. That's been dwindling. You know, yeah. there's some things that have been dwindling over the years in Canada, and I think it is starting to catch up to them a little bit. Look, Every country is getting close now. You watch the under-18s. You watch the World Juniors. Yep. These other countries are all catching up. So it makes sense that the U.S. is going to catch up. You're going to have Austin Matthews on the team. You're going to have Jack Hughes on the team. You know, 
Um, you're going to have um, Winnipeg's goalie. Uh, Hellebuck. Hellebuck is, the, is mm-hmm. one of the goalies. You know, maybe even Demko is one of the other ones. Yeah, Thatcher Demko. You know, Gibson will be one of the goalies. Sure. Like, there's a lot of guys to choose from. Yeah. This is a, a pretty great time for, for USA hockey. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's not the days of just Ryan Miller and no. Ryan Miller alone. I mean, even defense. You know, we saw that Adam Fox is probably going to go with the Rangers, right? They, they yeah, made trade a, him. <laughs> great trade for the Rangers. Um, I'm not sure in two years if that trade with Calgary and Carolina is going to look very good, mm-hmm. especially if Furlan leaves and, and those picks – you know, those picks maybe have a 40% chance of panning out. But, you know, Adam Fox will be probably one of those guys, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a jolt for them on the power play right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No, no, I've watched him for, you know, his At whole— his, yeah, I've watched him with Harvard. I've watched him in international play. He will be a jolt for the power play. All right. Uh, our buddies at Corner Pub Sports tweet, and they yep. say, if you're Chuck Fletcher, what's your number one priority this offseason when it comes to the roster? Number one priority is—and, again, this is—it was hard for the Leafs to do it— I've got to get a top four defenseman. Yep. I have to get somebody. Two C's a big priority, but hard to accomplish. Right. But a top four D is paramount for I mean, at the these end young of, defenders. At the end of the day, they could survive with the centers they have and adding another guy and, and just sort of dealing with it. They mm-hmm. could survive that way. In this league, you can't survive without five good defensemen anymore if you want to make the playoffs. Yeah. And you have to have other guys that can at least come in. And But you have to have five deep now. We know the teams had one with four. Chicago had one with four. You could you used to be able to do it with four. But now, like as, as the other day, Essa Lindell skated 30 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes. Sheesh. Like you can't. That's not a recipe that you want to have. No. So you've got to have five deep. And so he's got to get a defenseman. If he gets one, everybody else moves down. I, You know, I— it slots everybody where they need to be. And, and honestly, I think the guy you need to get is the guy that you want to pair with Provorov, provided Provorov is going to sign with you. With the extension. And that, yeah. and that brings us to our next question. That comes Which from, we don't hear anything about. No, it's been really quiet. And that, all we know is that he's been at uh, the skate zone shooting pucks. Okay. And that's Provorov, though. Yeah. Um, Jim, the producer, tweets in and says, Does the rumor of Provorov and Konechny for Mitch Martyr hold any validity? I mean, I think, I think these rumors start when... Shortly before the draft, test balloons see. get thrown out there. Yes. It's the yes. silly season. Yeah, it's the silly season. I don't really think Marner is going to get traded. I do think he will. He will sign. I think Kadri will get traded. I used to think it was Nylander. Now I think it's Kadri. But I think Marner's safe. But again, the Leafs do have an issue. Hmm? They're going to pay him twelve and a half million dollars. No, I think. I think at the end of the day. He will get what exactly what Austin Matthews gets. I oh, think so, so. Get a mirror contract. Yeah, I think okay. they'll say Mitch. This is what we gave Austin. This is what we're going to give you. Yeah. If you want to be a Leaf, you sign this. Yeah, he may go, I don't want to be a Leaf. I want to be a Flyer. He might say that in an alternate universe. Well, he well, probably well, won't say that. M- but maybe. There won't be an offer sheet. So if you're going to go uh, This offer- is the portion of the show when I say offer sheet. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, is, this is the part that I hate. That is going to be the two words of the summer you hear the most. Offer sheet. Braden Point. Offer sheet. This guy, that guy. But the part you're forgetting is Mitch Marner has to sign that offer sheet. Yeah, but if he you does. give him $13.5 million over Shane Weber years. signed the offer sheet because he knew his former employer would never pay him like that. Yeah, and the then Leafs they did. Are, the Leafs are going to offer him a, a crap load of money. All right, what uh, defenseman is traded uh, to the Flyers from Nashville? <laughs> so you're assuming it's already <laughs> It's <Nashville>. a PK? <laughs> no, I, I honestly don't think Subban's going to go. I You don't? No. Oh, I think I time's up there. No, I, I don't think so. I honestly think 
if Roman Yossi decides that he wants to get paid top-of-the-market money, which he is worth because mm-hmm. he's always been underpaid there, he could price them out. Yeah, he could. On an eight-year deal, he could price them out. Okay. And he is that valuable. And then maybe with one year left, they'll have to trade him have knowing to move that. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be an in-season trade, maybe deadline. No, I mean, it could, do be, pre-draft? it could be a draft. Okay. could be a draft trade. Um, now, let's go back to where we were earlier. Because, remember, they've got Dante Fabro. They're already yeah. working him in. They know how to draft defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Keelty, man. Think about this. They traded Seth Jones because they didn't need him. I know. How and about Seth, that? And Seth Jones has been phenomenal. He's going to be – everybody's going to pick him for the Nars next year. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Um, real quick, let's go back. We'll talk about the Islanders earlier. They yeah. swept the Penguins out of the first round. Yeah. Now they're on the verge of being swept themselves. Maybe that's not – maybe that's more of an indictment on the Penguins than it is the Islanders. But there's definitely an indictment of the Penguins. Uh, Matt Murray, everybody likes to pick on him. He has had his ups and downs. Mm-hmm. He's, he, you know, he's got the cups to show for it. But he has had his ups and downs. He wasn't exactly the best. Their defense is clearly not the best. Uh, it was a little better when they made the trades, but it just made it marginally better. The, you know, the, that Evgeny Malkin talk, I really do think, is baloney. But so he, you think they're using that to motivate Malkin? Yes. Who knows he did he not have a good year. He did not have a good year, and okay. he needs to play better. I think Phil Kessel will get traded. Yeah, he's gone. He's, he's gonna gone. Be gone. And someone will what about Latang? Because Rutherford loves Latang. Well, you know, Latang before the year, if you remember, Rutherford tweaked him by saying, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt here because he's Chris Latang. Latang had a really good year. Yeah. I think Latang is safe because I think Olimata is gone. Because yeah. Olimata has been a disappointment for them, and I think they'll move him out. And it's not you big got the money. the Jack Johnson problem, too. That ain't, you can't you do can't anything about anything. that. Yeah. Now, that was just dumb. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, Rutherford does a lot of good moves. That was a bad move. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to bat a 1,000. No. Uh, it would be interesting to see, because as long as Crosby is able to put on a Penguins jersey, their general manager is going to be in a mode of doing whatever it takes to try and get one more. Yeah, no question. So uh, uh, whether this year's well, probably not the offseason for Especially when you got that tall, skinny guy in the, uh, in the owner's box Who's used to winning too? Well, he did a little bit of himself. Yeah. a couple of cups of, so he's gonna, as a player as well. You know, he's he's going to want to win another one too. Yeah, well, he's got to go to the other hand. I always go back. The, one of the great things and is when they did win their their last cup, they showed a picture of Mario Mario Lemieux's house, and it looked like Wayne Manor. And and the Stanley Cup was in like the bottom of the pool. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> it was fabulous. I know Flyers fans probably you know hate them or everything, but you had to look at that scene and just take it for what it was. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. Um, so real quick, uh, let's hit a couple. Of Wait, are we in a rush here? I just I just want to you know are you no oh, okay because you keep saying real quick. I'm just asking. Well, maybe it's just a crutch that I have today. Uh, um, so real quick, uh, I want to hit a couple of things here with you. Um, one more year for Mike Babcock. Yeah, I think. If you don't show a big step next year. He didn't take any responsibility at the press conference. Of course conference. not. It's not None. his fault. And so Dubas fell on the sword like 10 times, which is great for a GM to do. Yeah. But Babcock should have taken some responsibility. Even Laviolette took responsibility for the power play in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And that was good for Laviolette to do that because I didn't think he was getting fired. I know people thought that. Yeah. But, again, Laviolette going into next year, he could get a Flyers-type firing if they started off Three slow. games in? No, I mean, it won't be that quick. He's but it could be one 10. thing protecting him. The fact that he's not going to do one Peter Laviolette show with yours truly. Yeah. We do the Peter Laviolette show. We set this whole thing up. We booked 15 <laughs> dates through the entire season, right? I'll take you back. Yeah. So we booked this whole thing. We do the first Peter Laviolette show out of Ponzio's in Jersey. Ponzio's. And two days later, <laughs> Lavi zipped. I'm going, what is this got to do with me? 
<laughs> he was gone. He was out of here. In comes Barubi, and now he's a jackass. And there, there goes your free food at Ponzio's. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not anymore. We no. just mentioned him. <laughs> I'm going to go over and get a pot pie this afternoon. Yeah, that's funny. Um, no, I, I look at it, and I think Babcock, short of starting out in like last place for the first month next year, mm-hmm. is safe for next year. But if they don't go out of the first round next year, he could be gone. Because Sheldon Keefe is there. Yeah. He is waiting. He's going to get... A nice little deal to That's sort of Dubis's wait. That's Dubas's guy. That's Dubas's guy. Yeah. I, I. It's inevitable. Actually, the fact that it leaked out, leaked out, um, that Dubas has the hammer over Babcock and could fire him right now yeah. has sort of Babcock twisting in the wind because Dubas said, hey, look, even my status is up in the air and we'll evaluate Mike whenever – when." When he you first, say that, yeah. When he first said, we'll evaluate Mike, everybody thought, hey, that's really nice that Kyle said that, but he can't fire him. Yeah. And then it leaked out that he could. Uh-huh. And now you realize, okay, Babcock like has to sort of wait now to find out if he's coaching next year, even though we know he's going to. Yeah. This is like the first you know, little jab at that. And, well, it's and, interesting. And we're going to see more. Because when Babcock was hired, you would say... Well, Babcock's the one doing the evaluating, right? Not the well. GM. Babcock wanted you to believe that in the uh, in his presser because he was like, "Well, we'll all get together upstairs and we'll chat about yeah. things." And and Dubas sort of you know quickly put that out. Yeah, like yes, Mike has input, but you know not like he, that. He's got no hammer, right? Um, um, so we assume that Keith is going to be the heir apparent. Yes. Which is why that he's not going to end up on somebody's bench next year. The now, DJ Smith is going to end up on Ottawa, though. He's already mm-hmm. interviewing with them. So that's, that's the one guy they'll lose. Okay. So one of the big stories, too, is what's going on in Edmonton. And one of the guys that they had their eyes on was Kelly McCrimmon. They were waiting for Vegas to get bounced from the playoffs because they were not going to give permission. Right. They get bounced from the playoffs. But boom, Kelly McCurman gets up to GM, and McPhee goes up to the president chair. Yeah, it was a great smart move by move. George. George is a very smart, personable guy. I ran into George this year, had a good conversation with him. He's a very likable guy, but he didn't get where he is with this second chance to blow it. Yeah. And he wasn't going to let somebody who's got all this talent just leave. It's like a good corporation. If you had a way to figure out how to keep him in it, mm-hmm. that was the way to do it. It was interesting because I think there was a quote from Nicholson, I believe, where like a day after Vegas was eliminated, he was like, well, I wasn't going to go talk to McCrimmon like the day after or something, right? Didn't you see something yeah. like that? And and so <laughs> I guess this is why, because McCrimmon was never going to come. Yeah. So, you know, I feel bad for Edmonton fans because now still no GM, still no coach. I think Mark Hunter is going to get the GM job mm-hmm. there. Uh, I think he could do a good job. I mean, he certainly knows how to draft. He he was. He's got a foul Marner had the guts yes. on on now, but, pulling but that trigger. He also drafted this kid Korshkov, who is literally just going to play now for the Marlies. Yeah. as another first round pick. Yeah, like he's got an eye for talent for today's game. No, but game. we don't know. But we don't know. Like Korshkov could be one that that he didn't get it right. Distance on. himself from. <laughs> so. But at the end of the day, he, he knows what he's doing. He's had some GM experience. They they have like a five-headed monster there or whatever it yeah. is. But I think Hunter could be good for them. Then they need to get a coach. Like they're going to be last in line for a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Who's left? Well, who do they end up with? If, if Hunter's the coach or the GM, who ends up being their coach? Uh, do you have any idea? I don't. Do they want to go with a, somebody who's got experience? Do they end up with like a Bilesma or something like that? I think Dan Bilesma's out for everybody now. I yeah. think they've realized that, okay. He was a product with, of Crosby. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's high on Dan Bilesma anymore. Uh-huh. I really don't know who they're going to get. I really don't know. I mean, I'm at a loss. Yeah. 
Um, okay, real quick, too. When you look at uh, the Oilers, and would they be a team that would consider moving a dry cycle in the offseason? No. Okay. You got two. You have a 50-goal scorer. Yeah. And McDavid's still in on 51% of your goals. Which is and stupid. Which Yeah, it's just crazy, the numbers. But your team's not going forward. If you want to get a lot of pieces, wouldn't Dreisaitl be a, an option to move? No, because at the end of the day, in a perfect world, you still want him to be your second-line center. You don't want him to be yeah, your top-line to, left winger. You trying don't. to help Flyers fans. I know. <laughs> you know where I'm going. I do think the Flyers could be in on RNH, though. I do think Ryan uh, Nugent Hopkins, okay. and he would play a 2C role for the Flyers, and, and that would give Patrick more time. That would make sense. Okay. So I, I think they should call about Nugent Hopkins. I think that would be a, a viable – I mean, because look, I mean, he's, he's pretty good on faceoffs. He'll get you 50 or so points. I mean, if you see what Tyler Bozak's doing for St. Louis, right, I think Nugent Hopkins can do that for the Flyers. For the Flyers. Okay. Um, I'm sorry it's not dry sidle, but best are, I can do. Are we happy with Steve Eiserman in Detroit? Are oh, happy yeah. with this move? Yeah. It seems to make sense on all levels. Unless he hires Pavel Datsuk back, which I don't think he should do. I know that Pavel Datsuk wants to come back. I know he's talking about he's coming. He's going to be in a couple of days. His contract with Scott's up. Yes. So so he's going to start talking contract. I think Eiserman should distance himself from that because they were teammates. It was a different era. Mm-hmm. They're moving in a different direction. I do think Datsuk could help like How if Cole he were coaching. Yeah, how did Kovalchuk work out? And he might want a two-year deal, which is I would never do in the world for yeah. an older player. Where is he, 40? Yeah. No, sorry. So I would, if I were Eisenman, I would just say, Thanks, Bell, but no thanks. I, I love you, man. Go happy hunting. Yeah, and, and we got a young team here that we're on the, on the rise. Yeah. We don't Dylan Larkin's our guy. I'm going to make him captain. Yeah. I think this is just going to be hard for him to deal with if you're there. Yep. No offense, but yeah. Okay, So, but we're happy with Eisenman being there. Yeah. I'm sorry, Korshkov was a... Um, 31st overall pick. So he was just okay. out of the first round. and so, But that's a big pick for the Leafs. So he has to, actually has to work out. Um, so Ken Holland, does yeah. he stay in the president's role or does he end up as the GM in Seattle? I think he ends up as the GM in Seattle. I do too. <laughs> I think he is just there to welcome transition, Steve back and yep. transition it all. Here's, and, the, here's the keys. And, here's where you keep the files. Yeah, because Ken's out from B. He's from the B.C. area. Yep. Seattle's very close. A couple hour, you know, three hour drive. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky in these playoffs has been tremendous. Fantastic. Um, his last, I think it was, 16 games. He's got a record of 13-3, and three, four shutouts, about a 1-3 goals against average, and about a 945 good. save percentage. Yeah, not bad. He's making himself some more money. Well, he's not going to make more than the contract he has now. I don't believe that will mm-hmm. happen. I think the market has changed. But What's the term? Four? Yeah, I think he'll get four. He might get five because he's Bobrovsky. Yep. But I don't know. Like, I think there's four teams... Florida clearly is the is the one. Yep. I think Calgary should make him an offer because I don't think Calgary's set in goal at all. Colorado could be a team too because mm-hmm. again, even though they have Grubauer, Grubauer still seems better to me as a backup than the starter. Verlamov would be gone. Verlamov's yeah. going to be out in the free agent market too. So maybe Colorado's looking. And there's always another team. I just end of the day, I think Bob will will get four or five years, probably get. Eight, eight and a half. I don't think he's going to get anything higher than that. Okay. Because, I mean, think about it. I mean, Renee's at the top of that. Uh, Lundquist, and, and they wouldn't pay that to Lundquist now. And Carey Price's deal is absurd. And Carey Price is absurd. Beyond that, they, the goalies just don't get that anymore. Yeah. Because by the time you earn it, yeah. you're starting to go whoop, right yeah. down the hill. Um, 
of these three players, who stays in Columbus? Duchesne, Panarin, or Bob? Uh, I think there's I no think chance Duchesne. Bob stays. I think it's Duchesne. Okay. I think Duchesne really likes it there. You know, there was that kid on YouTube that copied his uh, goal celebration, which was cute. Great selly. Uh, you know, Duchesne's a good guy. He's, his, his parents are teachers. He's a smart guy. I think he was wrongly portrayed uh, before, like when he was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a little misunderstood. He's still really fast. Portrayed as a loser. Yeah, I, right. I, I, he's he's really fast. He's highly skilled. He's still a really good center, a second line center. He'll still get you thirty goals. Mm. I know you're not a big and he's fan. He's in his prime, and he is in his prime. And I think Columbus will keep him. Columbus has, and I think Dzingel will stay too. If that okay. helps, because right, so th- he's from the area, I think they'll be able to keep him too. If they were able to keep those two guys, and let's say they get to the next round of the playoffs. It's a pretty good year for Yarmul Kekalina. Well, yeah, and, he, and even even to do losing what he did, Panarin took some guts. It took yeah. big balls. It's, I think it's going to change the way GMs handle the deadline. I think it will too. I I know Yarmul a little bit because we've interviewed him a lot on SiriusXM. He actually comes on and he loves talking about prospects. He he actually made sure we spoke about Texier mm-hmm. and and this was before the playoffs. And you could see that this kid can really skate and he's a terrific player. He's got even more players than people realize in their pipeline because he is a shark of a uh, eye for talent. So he took a chance. He knows he's got a loaded system. He knows he's not getting assets back. He also knew he had a fan base that was getting a little fed up with them not getting to the next spot. Yeah, yeah. They're getting to. to the next spot. Mm. Now we could see it's all paying off for him. They might get to the cup. Like we don't know, right? I mean Tortorella has been there. I mean they yep. certainly could. I mean so I think this is a, a, has been a really strong year for him and I do think you're right. I think now he'll change things a bit. I think he's yeah. changed the uh the way people will handle it. Um Eric Carlson, you talked about him before. Yeah. He's 70% health. He's he's not 100% clearly. Um two questions when it comes to Carlson. Okay. A Is there any chance that he stays with San Jose and B what's what's the ticket for him? Cuz he's cost himself probably some money. He has, but he's made a lot of money. I, I think a lot has to do with his wife mm-hmm. and where she wants to go. I mean, I know that sounds like Mrs. Pronger and all that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. happy <laughs> wife, happy life. But we all know about that situation. Like yep. that's a real situation. That you know. And so, I think Eric Carlson, if that team were to win the cup, it's possible he might sign a one-year deal and try and do it again, and then go free agent because he's got a lot of money, and I don't think he's that worried about you know not playing again. He certainly will play. But most likely he is going to become a free agent. I still think he's going to look at teams like the Rangers because he's friends with Lundqvist. Tampa Tampa for sure. Uh, You know, maybe Colorado woos him. Mm. I mean, they, you know, put him and Kale McCarr or Gerard, Gerard, you know, with those three. You know, so I think. A lot of skill. Yeah. I think he has cost himself maybe a million, million and a half off his um, yearly salary. But I don't think it's going to matter. Okay. Um, and last thing, right now the cup favorite, according to Vegas, is the Boston Bruins. Do they deserve to be the cup favorite? No. Yeah, I don't think so. Not either. in my eyes. No, and actually, and, and I think they have made a grave mistake trying to think they could bully around the Columbus Blue Jackets with that coach and those players. Yeah, wrong. It was never. Yeah. It was the wrong team. Now the Leafs, they could because yeah. the Leafs weren't set up for it. They're not. They're Boston's worse off. Corrali got hurt. Uh, Dubois, when he hit Pasternak the other day, Pasternak mm-hmm. was hurting on the bench with the hand or the wrist, right? He's not scoring. They're going to 
I, I mean, they're in a bad spot. They yeah. really are. They, they're, the, their top line's not scoring. They need better defense. When Clifton sort of gave Boone Jenner that open ice, uh-huh. that was really bad. I mean, they're going to bring in David Backus and hope that he could just, you know, rush the goalie and get a goal. That's great. But I think they should have abandoned that that style and tried to actually play with skill and tell Marshawn to play with skill yeah. instead of being adult. And and so now they're backed into a corner a little bit. Like this is Columbus has the edge in that series now. So I would not make Boston the favorite. I think. But again, this is if you're asking me what they're doing here in Vegas, they want the mass holes to put the money down. Yep, and they usually do. Yep. Um, yeah. Columbus uh, tonight for Game Four, a minus one twenty five favorite in the game. So <laughs> yeah, that might be the 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 play tonight. The Blue Jackets minus one twenty five and Colorado a minus one thirty favorite. Uh, They're at still home at home. against San Jose. So I don't think I would play the Colorado, but I would definitely play the Columbus. All right, do the Islanders get swept, or do they, they have Achilles' last stand and get at least one? Then lose on home ice. I think they might lose on home ice and not get swept because I think they might do the goalie change and maybe they'll get some results. I mean, all these goals have been, all these games have been one goal games, but they only have, I'll ask you the question. I know sometimes on other shows I hate when they do this, but how many five on five goals do they have? Yeah, it's a good point. I think it's one. Yeah. Well, maybe they have two, but I think it's one. Yeah, look at teams that struggle on the power, but look at Boston. If they're not scoring on the power, yeah, no, their top line's not getting it done, they're dead. And Columbus's penalty kill has been really good. I mean, again, Seth Jones is the best defenseman on either one of those teams. Boston fans were fighting me on Facebook about it, but it's true. And, yes, Char is still playing well, but he's no Seth Jones anymore. No, Seth Jones is tremendous, no doubt about it. All right, so uh, another uh, episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast in the book. Follow Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. Check out Sportsology.com. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod. Enjoy your playoffs, everybody. We'll be back next week with another fun-filled episode right here on the Stick to Hockey podcast.